Right, I'll head back here again. Round 10, you know what that means. You know what round 10 means. All right, so we just come off the back of Magic Round and just named the team. Sorry I'm late this week. I have been taking notes. Just, um, you know, I moved in over the weekend. Got a big shout out to, to Benny Dunn and to the brother-in-law, Ryan Milne, for helping us move in. We're coming to you live. We're coming to you live from the new studio. <laughs> from the new studio. Anyway, um, there's a lot to talk about. So, yeah, let's get stuck in. Hopefully you enjoy the show. Alright, round 10. Round 10 always starts with the round 10 Mac Building Group game, also known as the Matty Chambers game after round 10. Uh, something that he started a few years ago. Well, he didn't start. I started the game. He's the one who told me about it. He said, historically, now this might have been maybe four or five years ago now, and it's still been the same since then. Historically, no more than two teams fall out of the top eight after round 10. So from round 10, you're pretty much looking at the top eight. Two, maximum two has dropped out historically. So maximum only two make it in. All right, so the game is, you know, throwing out your ideas. Tell me who you think. Tell me who you don't think. Tell me what you do think. Whatever, but... The, the top eight as it stands right now, don't worry about the for and against and wins and all that shamozzle, sh- sh- whatever you want to call it. We'll just go from, from one through to eight. So we've got the Panthers, we've got the Storm, the Cowboys and the Roosters, top four. Then it's Sharks, Eels, Broncos and South Sydney to round out the eight there. So they're the top eight at the moment. Manly are on the same amount of wins as the Rabbitohs. The Raiders are one win out behind Manly, along with the Warriors, the Dragons, and the 12. All right, so when you say that two teams drop out, obviously only two teams can go in. So realistically, you know, there could be a chance that, you know, one of the teams outside that top 12 might make it, but it's, it's very unlikely. So we're probably looking at uh, the Seagulls, the Raiders, the Warriors, or the Dragons to go in. Now, when I look at the the teams, those teams, I, I can't. I, it's like I think Manly are better than the Broncos, and I think Souths are going to win more more than one game than the Broncos for the rest of the season. So, if anything, if anything, oh, I don't want to jinx it. The Roosters, you know, although they're fourth, they're actually the same amount of points as the Broncos. So, so yeah. So there's a few of them there. From fourth all the way down to ninth, there's one win. There's one win between them. So it's quite, quite, uh, you really realise how congested it is there. Uh, but yeah, to, to be honest, um, the, the only team that I could see potentially falling out might be the Broncos, just because... They're at the moment playing at the top end of their <coughs> or where they're at at the moment. So obviously they're still building and still gonna get keep getting better. But at the moment I feel like they're playing at their top end, and you know their top end just keeps you know increasing week on week. Whereas uh, South Sydney, for example, they're one win behind them, and they've got a lot of them. They're not playing at their peak. They're 
Um, they show that they can cut teams to pieces, like they did against the Warriors. They do it against the Roosters all the fucking time. They just pull teams apart. That's something I'll probably get to in a bit. Um, but, yeah, so if anything, maybe the Broncos in for the teams that are outside of it, it'll only really be manly, I think. Maybe the Raiders, but I don't think so, because I hate Ricky Stewart. So maybe the Broncos might fall out, and if so, maybe Manly. Who knows? Hopefully the Roosters stay in the top four, and they have a brilliant season going to a premiership, but, you know, long way to go. But that's the, the MAC-10, the MAC-10, <laughs> the Round 10 MAC building group. Uh, okay, so you, you tell us who's going to fall in or fall out and jump in. Alright, so that, that's that game. Um, after that game, obviously we've got to recognise the reason why we have a game. The front rows and the front rows tries. Now last week, Jack the Ballad wore the 13. Uh, he scored himself a try. We let it, we, we sort of, you know, I, I mentioned it. Or I don't know if I mentioned it. I put it on my notes. I can't remember if I mentioned it. But I thought about it. You know, he does play in the front row a bit these days. Well, this week he wore the number 10. So he's in the front row. He plays in the front row now. And he scored, he, he kicked off the trials of the front rows. Uh, Jared Wallace scored a try. Josh Papali scored a try. Royce Hunt scored a try. Now, not only did Royce Hunt score the try, he was set up by a front row. Uh, Toby Rudolph with a nice little front row try assist from a front rower. That was a beauty. And then after Royce Hunt scored, we had Jared Wade or Hargraves at the show and go. Scored to open the match. Open the match. And then to round off the, the magic round, Ruben Cotter. Dummy to nobody. That's how good these front rows are going these days. You know, it, it all comes down to recognising what we even have again. So big shout out to the front rowers there. Uh, we had a couple of dummy files as well. There might have been a few more that you might have been seen out there. One... We'll call it a funny file, maybe not necessarily a dummy file, but Philip Semi for the Titans, he said, uh, they called it the glitch, I think I'll see it on Twitter, on the socials, where uh, Aaron Woods just shot, just, I don't even know if you'd say shot out, but he just went out, past the ball, and Sammy just thought it was a free reign to the trial line, but he didn't get to the trial line, so it looked funny, he didn't just try to dive straight over, but it probably does qualify as a dummy file. So because it was funny, I'm going to let him off the hook a little bit and say he's in the funny file. But I'll be keeping an eye on you, Philip Sammy. And yeah, there might have been some others that I missed as well. But I know Api Korosal, he found himself in the dummy file this week as well. So um, we'll keep an eye for you too there, Api. You know, start behaving yourself. You're in the file. I see that. You know, and pull your head, all right? Because we don't want to be seeing that no more. We don't want to be seeing that no more. Now, topics that I've got down here to, uh, to talk about this week. <laughs> I, mean, I, I wrote about it. I didn't write about it. I wrote the note down. I wrote the note down. Ricky Stewart, after they beat the Sharks. I wrote down Ricky Stewart. And then after I wrote down Ricky Stewart, because I wanted to talk about that, I wanted to, I wrote down Trent Barrett now. I don't know if I said it earlier this year, just to people, um, but I thought Trent Barrett was going to get sacked, and I'm glad he went to the Bulldogs, because the Bulldogs were shit ass. They were shit ass, and you needed more than an average coach. You needed more than a good coach to fix the dramas that they got there at the, at the Bulldogs. And they got Trent Barrett, 
We might even hit best at the best. He's an average coach. Like his his father at thirty five or something. That's not even average. So I'm I'm putting props here. Like you know, I want to say at best he's an average coach. And then he went to a team that was the shittest team in the competition. Like they were shit house. They are shit house. They still are shit house. And are they still shit house because of him? Yes. Yes. They are still shit house because of Trent Barrett. Now him quitting is like when your mate breaks up with his girlfriend and he comes back and he says to her, it was a mutual decision. No, it wasn't a mutual decision. A heart, when a heart breaks, no, it don't break even. That's how the song goes. Now, I'm also sorry, but when you, unless it's Nathan Brown, the Nathan Brown contract, when you quit, when you quit, very, very, very unlikely you're going to receive a remuneration package. Um, yeah, it's very unlikely. So, um, yeah, he, he wasn't doing a good enough job and it was time for him to go. He should never have even gone there. He should never even take it. It was credit ballsy for him to have taken it. Um, but he should never have taken it. Um, and yeah, I'm glad. Oh, I hope we never see him in first grade again. They may. We may. We may. You know, someone else may give him a shot. Uh, he's going to need a hell of a lot better team than a team coming last to try. That's not as good. That's, that's, he hasn't proven that he can do that. At all. He's had two shots at it. Well, the, the, the mainly Robin Garcia because they went last, but they just missed the eight or whatever. Maybe they more than just missed it. Oh, no, they sacked it. They, they, yeah, yeah, well, they, they were already going to miss it, so that's why they sacked him. Tootie, sorry. And then they got, they got, um, Trent Barrett for 2016. The 2016 season. Like, come on, mate. Like, come on. I was shit else. And then when did when did Desi come back? Must have been twenty eighteen. Yeah, twenty eighteen came back. Um, so yeah, I'm glad he's gone now. So that's why now Ricky, I'll, I'll, I'll never get Ricky out. I think I might mention that Ricky will be sacked this year, but I'll, I don't think I'll ever get it. He'll beat me. He, I've already, I've already surrendered because he's that year that I bloody fuck, fuck he fucked me. But, um, yeah, he, the thing with Ricky is that is the fact that they can beat the Sharks how they did, they'll come out and they'll beat another top four team this year. Um, well, Sharks are top four right now, but you know what I'm saying. Like They'll come out and they'll beat another top four team and he'll be on the sideline riding them home. Now, when I first wrote this down, I apologise, I wasn't aware that they had three guys in the Simbin, so... Um, Apologies, he probably does uh, deserve to ride them home in the end there. But the reality is, like, the fact that you're so hot and cold, like, not only within seasons, but, like, for multiple seasons, that means you're a bad coach. Like, inconsistency is a sign of a bad coach. Inconsistency is a sign of a bad team. Inconsistency is a sign of a bad player. And that's exactly why it would it be any different? Like, 
Now, the stats have already come out. They've already shown them his stats after uh, Free retired. It's, it's, a, it's an abomination to the sport. Um, I'll go on and on. I'll say it on and on to the day I die. Um, because he'll probably be coaching to the day I die. Hopefully not. Hopefully he doesn't coach in. I, I, that's what I said. I don't think he'll get another contract at the Raiders after the current one. That's what I've succumbed to. That's as, that's as close as a win as I'm going to get. Um, uh, but speaking of apologies, I've actually noticed that SEN, they apologise. Well, some of them apologise. I've heard Joel Cade apologise. I've also heard, uh, I think it was Sattler. Or if it wasn't Sattler, it was someone else asking someone to apologise. So they obviously listened to the show. Obviously. So, shout out to the SEM boys for carrying on the apologies. Because, yeah, you know, like if you say something wrong, you get it wrong. Own it and move on. Say sorry, apologise and get on with it. And that's what you need to do in rugby league. Own it, apologise and let's get on with it. Okay, now what else do I have here? I've got a few more things. Halfbacks. Were the halfbacks spectacular over the weekend? Um... I didn't watch the first game. I didn't watch the first game, so I can't tell you how well Josh Clune and Carl Flanagan went in the first game, but I can tell you how well Adam Reynolds went. Oh, fuck, he's a good player. He's just the player, he's the player that um, can sort of just, the style of halfback that he provides is a player that just falls into line and it's easy, like he doesn't, he doesn't overshadow any of the other players. He just he just is good at organising the, the team and putting the team in a good position at the end of his kicks, end of his sets, which is, you know, so clearly we've seen it's it's quite an, um, an integral part of a football team. You see it at the Roosters when they didn't have it. When they did have it, they went back-to-back. When they didn't have it, uh, they haven't you know, really threatened a title since. Yeah, they haven't threatened a title since. Um, they've been, you know, over, they've performed well for the last two seasons, but they haven't threatened for a title. And it all comes down to the lack of, of organisation in the house. Uh, but Adam Reynolds, spectacular for the Broncos on Friday night, really got... The Magic Weekend going, you know, the Broncos winning up there, the big turnaround from last last year's Magic Round. And yeah, the Broncos fans are starting to slowly start turning up on their Thursday, their Friday nights. You start seeing the crowds at, at Suncorp Stadium getting a little bit bigger and, you know, the Queensland fans can start claiming that they, they love their footy again. You know what I mean? But the last few years, you know, they used to talk about how Suncorp used to sell out <laughs> McMinnett. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the criticism that the Roosters get in a 19 city, um, in this probably, arguably, the smallest region, like junior district region in the world, you could almost say. Uh, yeah, they, they, they actually perform well above standard, not even expectation, standard. The NRL standard, the Roosters perform better, but they still get back. 
for not turning up to games. If you look at the Broncos, one team town, 50,000 stadium, state of the art rugby league stadium, and they're not even fucking turning up now. Just slowly but surely they start turning up. So shut your mouth, a lot of us. Um, also, another halfback that played really well, Mitchell Moses. I know they were losing side, I'm sure there's someone else. Um, Mitchell Moses. I will get to Mitchell Moses because I want to talk about him and Walker. Munster. He was fantastic. Uh, for the for the Storm. I know he played or plays 5-8 or whatever, but he would have been the chief playmaker out there. Like Cooper Cronk's not gonna Cooper John, sorry, isn't gonna be the chief playmaker. And like there's there's things that that um, the thing about Munster is he, he's a team player with individual brilliance. He can do everything. He can he can kick, he can pass, he can break the line, he can he can break the tackle, he can, you know, put pressure on the defensive line. Um, he does everything and he was doing everything. There was a few in the first half, there was a few kicks that he did. It was like three in a row, I think he did. He did that one kick that went over to his coat to drop the ball on the line. Then there was the other kick that bounced, that they let bounce, and I think they might have... Oh, yeah, that's right. They let it bounce. And then um, they passed it, and they ran off with it. So the Titans, or the, sorry, the Panthers got lucky and sort of made a semi-break or whatever, but ended up getting tackled. He strips the ball off them. So, you know, the kick with the feet on the ground. So he gets the ball off them, then they go up, they take a couple more tackles or whatever, and then it just ends up in his hands. And he just fucking kicks it over to bloody the other winger, Meany. He bloody scores and there were three kicks in the space of like three minutes. And he's just, he's got on a string at the moment. Um, some are saying he's the fourth player of the competition. I'm not willing to go out on a limb about that, but I'm, I am willing to say I won't argue with it. That's a fair, fair assessment. Or can I? Can I? Am I allowed to par? Am I allowed to get that as a pass mark on it? Uh, also, Cody Walker execution, unbelievable, unbelievable. And it just makes me think, like the Panthers do, it, but obviously the Rabbitohs do it as well as they managed to just strip the middle. And there was similar to what I was talking about when you play a team with the man down, you just plug the middle, and that's what. Souths do really, really well is they just, they don't, I don't want to call it flooding the middle, I suppose it is flooding the middle, what they do is they just burst through the middle, which just strips the edge, because they have to come in, they're not actually able to have the right spacing, the right timing, and they're just, they're just not able to, to get on the front foot, but so Souths, as they're coming at them, they're actually able to get all the time and all the space that they need, that they need to execute the play. That's why they pull it off every single time is because they've stripped the middle enough so that the backs, or I suppose the edges is what the technical term these days, but it's still the backs if you ask me, just strip them. They just strip them. And they know the role, they know the line, and they know that Walker can make the right decision and all the players are all in the right motions. Like, they don't even, um, it's almost, it's almost like the timing of it 
is so well drilled that the guys who are receiving the ball are almost already outside the ball run, the, the decoy runner before Cody Walker's even made up his mind. Do you know what I mean? Like, you see sometimes when they get called up for the obstruction, and obviously the big obstruction, the easy one, is when they catch it on the inside of the decoy runner. Right? And ideally, like, the best way to deceive them is to at least pass the ball while he's inside the decoy runner, and he catches it on the outside, um, which would cause, in my opinion, a bit more deception, because he has to hold a little bit longer. But he's already on the outside. So it's like, he, I don't know what's going through Cody Walker's head, but there's no, they, they can't even get him for obstruction either. Like, they're not even going to miss, they're not even going to get pulled back on the obstruction because of how well they can execute the play. Um, so yeah, Cody Walker's, um, you know, I thought that would have been their weak link, um, to be honest. Uh, for South Sydney, I really thought that if they were, if they found a way to get at Walker, uh, and I know coaches don't like to, um, you know, go off the game plan, you know, sort of target one player because it goes off that motif of like working as a team and trying to shut them down as a team. But I also feel like there are some instances, and in, in on the week it would have been a brilliant instance where he could have tried to look to get someone off their game and he is susceptible to biting and I just thought maybe this might have been a time where he might have not been able to find the right balance or the right uh, right reaction but the Warriors didn't even go there with it so they never really got to see how he'd respond to it but I thought that would have been a brilliant opportunity to just try and get him off his game a bit and they almost come back in the end there so I think my theory could have worked uh, especially in that first half because they're getting flogged anyway. But anyway, uh, no one likes listening to me except for you guys. So thanks for that, by the way. Uh, but also, I can't, I can't um, speak about the halfbacks without talking about Sammy Walker. Okay, and he's wearing six, but he's a half, whatever it is. And just the bloody, the knack of him. I'm not sure if many of you guys know. Guy used to play with Luke Towers. Uh, personally, I wouldn't have called him necessarily the best halfback or the best halfback that, you know, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have said he was the best halfback, but he was the type of player that, that that's how Sam Walker reminds me of at first grade level, is that he's just more skillful than the rest of the players on the field. He's faster, he's a little bit more elusive, he looks very um, like, yeah, he just looks like he's got more skills in the bag than the rest of the players on the field which is how I felt Luke Tiaz used to be. He was just more skillful than everybody. He was faster. He was more agile. He had that elusiveness, which I think Sam Walker has. So, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Sam Walker with that beautiful individual try, I think it actually spurred on Mitchell Moses. He saw in the second half Mitchell Moses sort of tried to take the game by the scruff of the neck. They almost got it back as well. So credit there to the Parramatta Eels. I think the Roosters... You know, they were in a situation where they knew they needed to start one. And it felt as though they um, were very, very... Um, they knew that 
the lead that they got, they earned, but there was a little bit of uh, fortune, good fortune for them to achieve that lead. And then I also think deep down, maybe in the way that the week sort of panned out, it made it seem like they were probably always going to have to hang on there as well. So they hung on in the end, which was good. It was one of those ways they sort of decided to go with the, the front load of scoring the points. Uh, instead of trying to run the opposition down in the second half, which is, uh, as long as you win, it doesn't really matter, but I feel like it's a bit easier to watch the game when you're in front than when you're in behind. Yeah. Another story, another day. Uh, they got the Panthers this week, so there was a bit of a run there. I only got a whole lot of to be last week, where for the next seven games, including the Magic Round, they had Parramatta twice, they had the Panthers twice, and they had the Storm along with the Raiders and the Sharks. Now, we know the Raiders, they don't give a fuck about us, so that's a hard game. Well, we got through one. So now the next six, it's the Panthers twice with Melbourne, Raiders, Sharks, and then Parramatta one more time. I'm not sure the exact order, uh, but yeah, the Raiders, they don't give a fuck about us. The Sharks, well, they've got Fitzy there, who knows us inside out. Uh, they're actually in, uh, they're a bit inconsistent as well. That's why they're same amount of wins as us. Uh, but they've shown some signs that they can be quite deadly and lethal to deal with. Um, so that that one I feel like we should win, and hopefully we can win, but it'll be a difficult one. And we should beat the Raiders, but as I said, the Raiders don't give a fuck about us. They love fucking rock and roll with us. You know, I suppose they're a little bit bitter after we got up in 2019. You know what I mean? I'd be a little bit bitter too. But I'm not as better because we actually got the biscuits that night. So, you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And on that night, the Roosters, they won. So, yeah, you beat it. Um, and so that could spur on the hatred or the, the, the whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Um, but hopefully we can win those games. The other ones, the two against the Panthers and the ones against the Melbourne Storm. That ain't happening. We'll kiss them goodbye. Kiss them goodbye. And that's why this little period here for the next six weeks is quite uh, daunting uh, but once we get through that little period I think we might only have South once after that and then maybe I'm not sure if we play the Storm twice but it could be the Storm as well uh, but after that we are oh, the Cowboys they're going okay as well but I think we should be comfortable with the Cowboys but you know one week at a time as they say one week at a time Anyway, um, oh yeah, big shout out to the Boston Celtics. They'll actually start the Eastern Conference Finals tomorrow morning against the Miami Heat. So yes, well on to the Boston Celtics. They managed to get through in Game 7. Game 7, so they lost Game 5 at home. When it was 2 all. they lost Game 5 at home to go down 3-2, having to go back to Milwaukee. And they got the biscuits, Jason Tatum and the boys. They managed to find their rhythm in the last two matches and they're in through to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, it's been a long time since they've played in the Conference Finals. I, I think the last time Paul Pierce was playing at the, at the venture. Um, so, yeah, you know, exciting times for us Boston Celtics fans. Um, yeah, but it's always exciting times uh, when it comes to rugby league and the basketball. Uh, but, yeah, I think that uh, we, we're going to call it a night tonight. That's... Uh, yeah, let us know who's going to fall, uh, fall out of the top eight and, and jump into the top eight. 
very well. That's enough. Peace. We out of here.